the, the first time we've actually spoken in person, how many messages do you think we might have had over the last uh, eight months or something that we've been? I mean, if, if you add up each message, it has to be a thousand. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I would say so, yeah, it's, probably a good estimate. <laughs> yeah, and from, just from following you, it's like I feel like I know you already, even though we haven't. I was thinking about that before we talked. I was like, holy shit, we haven't actually spoken. It's crazy. I've been thinking about it for a while as well. Like, I should just call this guy. Like, you know, like we're having these like pretty in-depth conversations at times and, uh-huh. you know, some personal stuff and, you know, you've shared some, some, some interesting things that like, man, we, I've never even, never even spoken to this guy. We're planning on, you know, you're looking at coming out here and whatever. And, you know, maybe that's yep. not going to go ahead right now, but I think that's a good uh, message and maybe starting point is like social media. Like so many people are trying to get off social media like how good has it been for my life to have that connection with you? Like it's, it's been yeah. life changing for me, transforming my body, learning, you know, learning what you got, what you're about, everything that I've picked up. If, if I put myself on a social media fast, you know, I've never have had this experience, you know, like it's hard to imagine yeah. the alternate reality. It's like that sliding doors or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. How do you deal with it? Like you got a massive social media based business and online business. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with any kind of new technology, it's going to have pros and cons, right? So it opens things up. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. Someone doesn't have to do a social media fast. You know what I mean? Um, I I would, I would be nowhere and I would have not learned what I learned and have the connections I have. And you know what I mean? So for me, social media is huge, but yeah, you're not going to find me ever scrolling where I shouldn't be scrolling. You know what I mean? You're not going to find me following people I shouldn't follow, you know, and then having my wife look over my shoulder and I'm looking at near porn. You know what I mean? Because that's unfortunately the reality of, you know, some of these technology advancements. They, they put a chance to do wrong in your hands so easily. But yeah. they, also make it, they also make it easier to do right. Yeah. There is that side. There's a, there's a little bit of clicking around your hands or something, but... Um, oh, okay. The noise coming through there, but the, the, there is, the, yeah, like there has that potential to be Tinder. You know, Instagram can easily become Tinder if right. someone wants it to be that. Like, it's definitely, definitely not for me. Uh, you know, I got wife and and kids, and that's not my intention with with social media at all. And I don't, honestly, I don't get any messages like that, which is good. Yeah, and I'm not either. looking for them. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm not taking that as an insult, but you know, I, I know that. Uh, yeah, it's definitely part of the game as well. Like to to have some some discipline and some consistency around, you know, how you deal with that thing, and not to you know people say, oh, like I'm just wasting all my time on there. I'm getting distracted. Well, don't do that, but use it to create. Like you know, yep. I think that's the that's the cool thing. What I love about what you've done, you know, now the second time around on social media, is like right. you're you're putting so much energy into creating all the time. Like it's obvious that you have no time to be um, just trolling and scrolling through you know a, a million other people's things that have no relevance to you um yeah and I, I learned a huge lesson with that um for anyone that doesn't know yeah I had a guy who was like I didn't know anything about Instagram he's like I could help you get more followers right I worked with him I didn't want to do these inorganic means of getting followers right so we came we came to an impasse and uh I gave him an, an alternate route to work a real job for me. He said he was going to think about it five minutes later. My accounts were deleted. Well, I shouldn't have been surprised because 
these kind of, some of these social media guys, the very means that they get you more followers is with dishonesty. So yes. Yeah, so I had 25,000 that I grew in just about eight months. I went from no Instagram page to 25,000 followers in like eight months. But when I lost that, it gave me such a valuable learning lesson because I realized it's not what you have as much as it is what you can create in terms of your value in this business, in my opinion. So our stats as a business actually went up in the weeks after having my account deleted. And you would think in a social media driven business that losing all your 25,000 followers and having to start over would hurt statistics of your social media driven business. No, it, it actually went up because I took that and then I actually ramped up how much I was creating. So it, it just made me rejuvenate things and realize my value to those that I work with is not what I have. It's what I can create. So it's kind of refreshing in a way. I'm super happy the way it worked out that I got that lesson. I'm a, I'm an oddball. I mean, within minutes of it happening, I was already kind of chuckling, shaking my head. Like I, I was the last guy who was ever going to be upset about it. You know, uh, that's just how I am. I, I feel like things happen for a reason. If it happened, okay, why did I deserve that? Why did I, why did it happen? And how can I turn that to my advantage? Yeah. I wondered how you were feeling through that. Like, obviously I saw that it happened and then I, you know, was, I was just thinking, man, like that's, that's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a kick to, yeah. to, to have that happen. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, oh, how would I, how would I deal with that? Like what would happen if that happened with me? Because I've been doing social media since 2014 and I kind of had like, I mean, uh, I've been social media longer, but Instagram, I jumped on, I believe the start of 2014 and I actually yeah. had a similar thing where I posted a video from Sonny Bill Williams, who I've spoken to you about a couple of times. Yep. So I posted, I had like maybe, maybe my fifth post I ever put up was him doing uh, leg raises on the dip bars, not a hundred percent ATT style, but, but somewhere along those lines. Yeah, yeah. And he's got yeah. a, he's got an amazing rig on him. And the post yeah. just went viral and, and I picked oh, wow. up maybe like 15,000 followers overnight, but they're mostly like oh, girls in Brazil, wow. you know? <laughs> yeah. So I already had reasonable followings on, you know, I had a Facebook page with, you know, eight or 10,000 when that used to actually be useful. And, uh, you know, some 5,000 thing on Twitter, but Instagram just like took off overnight with that. Um, yep. but then, then I was like, my account got massively deranked because all those people were gradually unsubscribing when they realized they weren't going to keep seeing Sonny Bill Williams with his shirt off. And it was just this, you know, this little guy in his thirties that, uh, was going to be to post these stories about weight training and stuff. But it is, it is such a funny world, social media, like people can really get screwed up on it. And I know people who've got those, you know, 300,000, you know, plus yeah. followings and they actually yeah. have no business. Like they actually don't really have, like it doesn't really serve much purpose other than kind of some, you know, some ego and whatever. I mean, there's obviously opportunities within that, but sure. I think it's about quality and about, you know, really having buy-in with people. And it is, it's good yeah. to hear you say that, you know, restarting your social media, it, it hasn't hurt your, you know, your business has right. actually helped your business because the people who are in, yeah. Are deeper in and, and they're supporting you 
Um, what, what is it like day to day, like having, you know, you've obviously got that face-to-face gym. Almost everyone with a face-to-face gym thinks they're going to go online and kill it. Like yeah. how, how has that happened for you? Like what's, what's the difference there? Yeah. I mean, part of it is organization. So I have, my days are super neatly run every day. Um, and that, that allows me to bridge what I'm doing in the gym and just put it right online. So like I make three Instagram posts a day from my personal page and another three posts a day from my team page, seven days a week. So I do 42 posts a day and I shoot for 50 stories a day, but you would think I'm on my phone all day long. But if you catch me with my wife at home, whatever, you won't even see my phone. So it's about compartmentalizing. You can be a lot more productive in less time if you're just doing what you're doing while you're doing it all in on that. So that's kind of how I do it. And it is a fact that I'm just absolutely passionate as hell about what I do. So I try to convey that and not listen to marketing and business advice from others and just, you know, just stick with my niche, stick with what I believe in. And so because of social media, it is a big world out there not everyone in the world has to do my program. You know, it can be the most minuscule percentage of people who really need my program more than any other program for them. And that still can end up being a lot of people, you know, a hundred percent. I guess the beginner, like some people would look at your stuff and they go, Oh, like this is for people with sore knees. Right. And that's, that's kind of the start. I will just, uh, I needed to just uh, mention again, cause I want this podcast to be really clear and I want people yeah. to not be. So I think the, that your cord is sometimes touching the mic. I think it's like on the, like oh. maybe it's laying across the computer or something or somehow that when your cord swings a little bit, I can, it's just kind of scratches. It's a weird thing. Other than that, the sound quality is awesome, <laughs> but I don't want to, um, I know people are going to get tons out of this today, so I don't want to, uh, have it be like, uh, I stopped listening because the thing was scratching the mic. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not more well seasoned. What about like, is this working now? Yeah, it's or? fine. It's just like, if, if you move a little bit, which normally happens when you talk, like when anyone talks, then it's just, um, it's like, it feels like, it sounds like it's like rubbing your mic. Um, I don't know whether it's the mic on the headphones or if it's on the actual computer that you're, you know, where I can, I can, I can just easily put myself in a habit of not using mannerisms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to put you in a straight jacket, man, but it, just, um, anyway, so the, the knees over the knees over toes is like, okay. Yeah. Like if you've got knee pain, then you need to work with this guy. And that's a big enough niche in itself. Like so many people have sore knees and they, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to have sore knees. But then once you get into it, it goes, you know, so much deeper, so far beyond knees over toes. Like, how are you, how are you feeling with, with that and helping people to realize like, this is actually a total athletic development package rather than like yeah. a, a knee rehabilitation. Totally. totally. Yeah, exactly. That's a great question. And just, just by not being greedy, you know, if the only guys who find my page are guys suffering with their knees, then great. You know, I'm going to connect with people. I'm going to end up training high level athletes. What I'm saying is actually been what's occurring. You know, if I get known for knees, I get known for knees and that still gets me my foot in the door. And, and I'm super passionate about that has athletes, you know, it ends up having athletes doing my full program, but I don't have to 
worry about uh, defending myself or trying to prove that I'm the best at everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's so many uh, phenomenal coaches like yourself. If I'm only ever known as the knees guy, I can still do my part. You know what I mean? So I do full training, but um, I'd rather be truly helpful to a smaller number of people than trying to prove I'm everything to everybody, you know? And yeah. I think it's actually worked out better for me business wise. You know, like we have a famous, we have a famous place in America called Chick-fil-A. They just do chicken and I'll bet they've been told so many times to do burgers and they also have good salads and different stuff like that. But you just, you find out about it for the chicken, you get hooked on the chicken and they're doing so well, I think compared and they have a high quality product. They deliver it fast. It's like an exam. It's just a good example of like an American company that's done really well. And so as crazy as that sounds, yeah, I've modern, modeled myself after a chicken restaurant. There you heard it first. That's uh, yeah. that, that's an insight. You uh, yeah. I think, I, and that's funny. Like I think in business you can pick up so much from people and things that are, seemingly massive, you know, associated or really different to, from what you do, but you yep. can, you can learn pivotal lessons, you know, based on, uh, yeah, things that are, that are a mile away. Yep. You actually train grip, neck, yeah, calves, feet. Like these yep. are actually the areas that a lot of athletic development programs don't touch you know yeah we do pretty crazy low back stuff you know if you look at the at the average pro like we train we train low back hamstring every workout but you're right people will often ask wait is this only a knee program but if that's how i get them the door and if that's how i establish trust you know by getting them their first reality with their knee then that's you know it works great that way and that was actually my story pretty much with this band like I, every time I went to squat heavy and often or, you know, really get into my weightlifting, like I, I got to a hundred kilo snatch, but I realized that the only, like my feeling was the only way I can lift these kind of weights is just to put up with my knees feeling like I'm a very old mm -hmm. man and I'm not the youngest yeah. guy. I'm only really 10 years older than you, but yeah. I, I'd pretty much made the, okay, if I'm going to squat, you know, a decent weight, my knees are going to hurt. And yeah. so when you, when like I started doing your stuff and I was like, this is good. My knees feel better. I can squat more often. Then I was like, Hey, what do you know about Achilles? <laughs> yeah. and exactly. Exactly. That's, that's interesting. That's, that's when I fell in love, honestly, like you changed my life with that because my Achilles has been wow. bugging me since, you know, 2000 and uh, pretty much when you first watched my YouTube channel, like, yeah, yeah, that 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 job. I, I was doing pogos from the Joe DeFranco walk warm ups, and I, I would have that. like three groups back to back, and it was the winter in France, and I would be doing these yeah. pogos with the groups, and I was like trying to oh, wow. put energy into my demonstrations, and I just niggled my Achilles totally. a little bit. I'd never really had it before. I niggled my Achilles a little bit, and since that time, I've had it on and off. Um, every time I kind of jump load or whatever, and I just haven't been able to get it right, and wow. so. Yeah, like I asked you, like, what, what, what do you know about uh, Achilles and, and plantar fascia? So maybe you yeah. can share a little bit around that. I don't want to give away, like, all your trade secrets, even oh, though yeah. you're away on Instagram. People can, people can catch them any, there. If there's anything I can put into words, you know I'll give away any secret I've got. That's um, what, it's another thing I love about it, what you're doing. Yeah, and as you know, my, my online coaching is, 
it's not expensive and we insist on coaching the form, you know, it's real work. So there's nothing, I don't try to keep anything a secret. You know what I mean? Um, it's not like I'm even trying to hold out secrets for the online. It's just, that's where we really put in the work. So yeah. So like you started with me for, for knees and I started with myself for knees because age 17 to 20, I didn't touch a basketball. I mean, it was that bad. I had had multiple knee surgeries. Um, they were, my knees were just so bad. It looked unlikely I'd ever play again. And it was actually from following you and Charles Poliquin. I remember watching you squat all the way down. I remember watching your snatch grip deadlifts. You and Charles Poliquin were some of the first guys saying, not only should you uh, avoid, let me get my word, not only should you not avoid knees over toes, you actually should be strong at that, right? But now who's going to become more obsessed than that than some kid whose knees have been hurting since he was 12, right? So my greatest downfall was my greatest advantage. Having the worst freaking knees of all time, me, forced me to get better and better and better at knees. And what that did is it made me realize, well, that the, the first ground stimulus, the first impact is coming right through your feet. Yeah. So it just, it just started to become unavoidable that your knees are still going to be at risk based on what's below your knees. And so it, it just forced me to aim then for world-class feet. So for me, it actually went from because of you and Charles Poliquin, I was able to play basketball again. I remember calling my buddy who also had quit sports. We had both quit in high school. <laughs> I had We're back on. Let's go. Keegan, if I could tell you, man, I have so many friends now. And when I tell you in high school, I had no friends. I mean, like by the time I figured out my knees, I had no friends, like not a single friend. I mean, my life was a very interesting place. No, no women, no friends, but I really never gave up, you know? And so when you spend years just still trying to figure out your knees, telling everyone who asked friends, family, like, no, I haven't given up on basketball. You know what I mean? But everyone's looking at you like they're a freaking nut. Because in America, if you don't get recruited out of high school and then you take three years, I mean, you're just never going to play basketball. Well, I did get a fucking scholarship. And uh, I met my wife around that time. And she believed in me. And that's an interesting lesson just to have whether, they're, whether you're crazy or not, just to have someone else believe in you is interesting. So, so because of, Yeah. So because of you and Poliquin, I got my knees healthy. Sure enough, sure enough, it worked for my friend too. But what happened is it went down from there. So yeah. my, shin, my shin splints were so bad. I still don't know to this day if I've met anyone who had worse shin splints than I did. I mean, they were so bad. I used to have to pre-wrap from below my ankle. So from the plantar fascia up my entire calf and tape. Just and Goggins before practice. Style. You're the original David get, Goggins. <laughs> right. I had to get, a, I had to get extra high socks because of the embarrassment of being in a routine practice, having to tape up my shins. Have you heard him talk about that? You, you probably didn't, um, you're, you're on that. Uh, you're not, not listening to a lot of content because you're massively focused on your own thing. Uh, David, yeah. David Goggins. Are you familiar with who David Goggins is? No, but I'm going to take a note and look it up. Yeah, so he's this guy who did like multiple turns of going through Navy SEAL training and um, Ranger oh, wow. training and all this stuff. And he tells the stories of how brutal it was. He's run ultra marathons. He's quite successful in ultra marathons. He's been on Joe Rogan podcast a couple of times. 
He's written a really oh, wow. cool book and he's this guy who's just known as being the ultimate kind of warrior and pushing through pain. And when you listen to his stories and wow. stuff, it's like he got really fat and then he just smashed himself into shape to, to become this, you know, this ninja sort of thing. So it's, it's a story wow. of redemption and stuff similar to yourself. But he, yeah, he tells these stories about, you know, like shooting himself after running, you know, 70 miles out of a hundred miles and, and all this kind of stuff. But, but he taped his legs on basically, like he was sort of telling me stories right. about doing that. So yeah, that it, I was um, there. it reminds me of that story. Yeah. 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 yeah you have to think. So if, if I was just this ridiculously weak, um, you got to understand I'm six foot tall. My dad, or I'm, I'm six one. My dad's six foot tall. My dad graduated high school weighing a buck 20. So we had that very skinny build and because my knees were so bad starting at 12, all the weight training I did, nothing really took place except upper body mass. So it was almost like taking, you're taking already horrible knees and then adding only upper body mass. So, which is what most people do when they first start weight training, right? It's yeah. bench press, it's some rows, some biceps, and, and, and you just kind of bulk a bit. And, I, and I've seen those photos of you got a little bit like kind of – Oh, man. Oh, I wouldn't man. say you're fat skinny, but, you, you know, you definitely put on some size. The pictures looked even better than real life. I mean, <laughs> I was – yeah. I had a lot of dirty weight. So, so now I started to put on some strength around my knees, which got yeah. me healthy enough to play. And my skill level was super high, which is why I was able to get recruited. Just if I could be on the court, I knew I could play, you know? Yeah. But I was still made, I was still made fun of for my, by my teammates and whatnot for how slow I was, how unathletic I was. And so, so the shin splints were so bad. And then it got to where I would wake up in the morning, man. And some days I was really worried, like what was going to happen to me? Cause my plantar fascia, my heels, like, my feet hurt so bad that I was like, I'm only, you know, 20, early 20s. Where the hell am I going to be in 10 years? So, but I always, you know, stayed in constant obsession with fixing these problems. And so it just went down from, from knees to then shins. And then I remember tons of people starting to come to me for shins because all of a sudden I was the shin guy. So all these, like, you know, a lot of football players, surprisingly struggle with shin splints because they bulk up, but then they don't have, you know, they don't have uh, the protection below the knee. So then the shins and now in my gym, just the way things are, you know, from seeing the workouts and stuff, it's almost like that stuff is like obsolete because I've been doing this professionally now for four years. And so I, I know like what just your general rates of athletes, you know, how many have back pain, how many have knee pain, how many have plantar fasciitis, shin splints, the kids who grew up with me, they don't even, it's hard for them to even fathom what that stuff is. So building, starting with the big toe, world-class big toe, world-class plantar fascia, Achilles, calf. It's just common sense that you wouldn't want only world-class knee. You, you spoke about it on the Just Fly podcast. I think if anyone ha yeah. is listening to this and you haven't sp listened to the Just Fly podcast, there's so much on there that we're not going to get to today. Like we could have been on for the next 10 hours and, <laughs> and we would only just kind of scratch the surface of, of your system. You should definitely listen to that Just Fly uh, interview. And if, if you feel compelled after that, maybe go and listen to my one with him as well because it was uh, I really enjoyed chatting with Joel and I'm looking forward to bringing him on the podcast as well. But you, like that ground up approach, like – 
it's like so intuitively like, oh, that makes sense. Like you, I was just powering up the hips. I was massively West Side Barbell influenced. Um, like I had the Poliquin influence, but then when I went in in 2013 with the NRL team, just like the NFL team that I worked with, we, we worked hard on hips, posterior chain, hamstrings. And, and a lot of people speak about that stuff in athletic development but I didn't power up the, like I had no real concept of and thought it was superficial to work on the calves. Right. And like I'd had right. that yeah. in pain as well. Yeah. It's such a big mistake to, to not build from the ground up. Like that's a huge yeah. lesson. If anyone's listening to this, like you know, check, you know, make sure this is part of your philosophy. Exactly. And after what I said, and now what you just said, now this will stabilize what people are listening to. It's so true about the hips. The hips are your primary athleticism. The problem is just then that force is now going down through the knees, the shins, the feet. So if you want to be able to absorb that force, then build from the ground. So we take, a, we take an approach where it's like, yes, we are going to build your hip, but we need to proportionally do it. Hey, what if you never get a fucking pain in your lower body? Well, that athlete, check in on them five years from now, and now you have this totally tr- transformed athlete who can deadlift in RDL and can, can express great hip power, but with even freakier, you know, knees, ankles. So I went through it in reverse, went through all the pains. Now I'm rebuilding the other way around. And that is why I'm younger than you. I'm 27. But for a guy who started having knee pain when he was 12 and who quit basketball at 17, um, you know, to be now 10 years later and guys online, especially my buddies in person are the ones most shocked by it. I just keep jumping higher. And I have no doubt that next week I'll jump higher than this week. I'll do something next week. I couldn't do this week. And next month I'll do something I couldn't do right now. And next year I'm salivating over next year. And I've told you in in confidence and I might as well, if people are following you, they're my kind of dudes, but I'm so nuts that when I was 17, to 20 thinking I would still play basketball again. Now out of college, 23 to 27, I'm thinking I'm still making the NBA. So I'm that crazy. No one's ever done that, but I'm that crazy. I really think I will do that. <laughs> That's courageous, man. I appreciate you putting that out there. And when you, when you told me that, I, like I watched enough and I was like, this guy can actually play like, and he's athletic. Like, I, what like where where's he going with this like because I could see there was so much passion going into your training you weren't just this kind of armchair strength and conditioning coach who was dabbling in his own you know training as like this is this is really going somewhere like that's the ultimate I think that's the ultimate redemption story that you're that you're building and you've kind of already built it but yeah like going to another level with your dunking going to another level with your with your on-court stuff like that's a massive dream like I guess you've desensitized yourself to people laughing at you as well. Like if, if, if no one's, if people haven't seen your commercial that you did for the supplement that you use and you did it, I guess as a fun thing, like, I don't know what yep. the, was, what was the motivation no, for doing that? Is that available motivation. online or is it only something yeah, I, with friends? I actually kept it. I actually kept it in my story highlights on my Instagram page. So if anyone goes onto my Instagram, knees over toes guy, they'll see it right in the story highlights. I left it up there. Pause this, go and check that out because you'll have another level of respect for Ben Patrick and his level of vulnerability and honesty. The biggest currency, I think, in the, in the modern economy is someone who 
you feel is real, who is vulnerable, who is sharing their journey, go stop this, go and watch on Ben's story. It's uh, knees over toes guy. There's no vert anymore. Yep. Ben Patrick just check that out in his highlights and you're going to have such a massive feeling for the, the honesty, the vulnerability and, and the strength of, of this guy's journey. Like you're pretty, you know, it's massively personal as well. People can go and, you know, go and check that out. But this is all, you know, and I've been inspired like by guys like you who have shown me this, but this is all so much, what we do is above ourselves. You know what I mean? Like it's not about us, you know, it's about our athlete. I don't know about for you, but it's, I mean, you can't even compare like hitting a personal best is awesome, but it's all about helping my athletes hit a personal best. That's the kind of shit that brings tears to my eyes. That's what I live for, you know? And and I just have a strong belief that a person's biggest purpose on this earth is to help others. So for me to help others, I always felt wrong trying to help someone something if I wasn't sure about it, you know? And so that's why I enjoy the pressure of putting my body on the line and trying to learn and prove things through my own body. So that's why I'll say, yeah, I'm trying to make the NBA. If I really think I can help someone that much, you know, it should work. So that's, I, I put, I enjoy putting that pressure on myself, but it's all because I just want to help someone else that much more. And if I don't put that pressure on myself, then maybe I can stay back a little bit. Maybe I won't have to push things so much. And that's why it's true. If me and you chat, I would never stop chatting. I, you know, I would just sit here. <laughs> I would sit here. For, if Keegan wanted to keep chatting, I'll be here the next 24 hours. <laughs> That's actually the part I felt worse about. But we'll have to do this again soon because it's true. I'm in a, I'm in a constant state, actually, of still trying to improve. I'm on a week right now. I believe once it gets up to elite levels that after three weeks is what I believe. It's just a general number, but you know, work on your program for three weeks and then cool off for a week. Some athletes like to rest more. That's when I like to get crazy for a week. So I'm actually on a crazy week right now where I'm trying all kinds of shit that I wouldn't even try in my three weeks. So who knows what I'll have to share a month from now, two months, you know what I mean? And that's, that is why, man, my heart was so set on coming out to Australia and delivering seminars. I just can't look myself in the mirror and do it because I'm just in such a state of, of trying to actually keep improving. Um, there's so much to unpack here, Ben. There's so many things that I would like to go into detail on, like your, your creativity and where all this stuff's coming from, where all these new ideas. Um, Mark Tashira, who's probably the world's biggest powerlifting coach at the moment, Reactive Training Systems, who I, I saw in Austria a few years ago and met. Um, wow. He has that kind of system of when you – Deload, you, you don't deload, you, you change the game. You, you go into things that you don't usually go into and mm-hmm. you, know, you bring in some new experiences, some variety. And it's not necessarily light because, I mean, it's, it's just a, a change which freshens you up before you go back to your, your specificity. So, like, like, that makes sense. And, yeah, I love that, you know, you're constantly innovating and that's why your social media is so interesting to watch. That's why it's so interesting to, you know, to be a member of, of your program. Um, because there's just, yeah, there's constant innovation. Like it's changed so much. You've learned so much. You've applied so much. I don't yep. think you could innovate to the extent that you are without you being the athlete as well. And I think like a lot yep. of people criticize me for like, well, why are you training so much? Like you should just be focused on your athletes. I'm like, no, this is how I serve my athletes. Like I can't help them if I can't help myself. Like, yep. 
And I think, I think we know deep down that we're really just at the start of things in terms of, uh, you know, strength training and what's really been tested and known. You know, I think we all see things out every now and then that shows us like, we're still at the ground floor of all this. We need to keep grinding and pushing. And for me, it was like, yeah, I was playing two weeks ago. Last play of the game. I make the game winning shot. Also, I roll my ankle. So no one knew about it because it was the last play of the game. And I'm told every day, hey, man, you shouldn't be telling people how you play twice a week, year round. But last hundred times strong, never had a bad day, never missed a day. And, it, and I didn't miss a day again. But what happened is I knew exactly why I pulled in. I call it I pulled in that injury because I've been playing around with the idea of, you know, strapping weight to the end of your shoe and like really working your ankles. And so when it happened, I'm like, fuck, that's because I haven't been doing that myself. And I know I need to be doing, I know down to the core that as a basketball player, we have such a high chance of landing on other people's foot. I have to be doing that as part of my regimen, not just as something to do after rolling an ankle. So I rolled it. And I mean, I know what it's like from rolling my ankle in the past dozens and dozens of times. And it fixed me up so fast, you know, but there, I never would have really had that lesson if I hadn't been out there playing against pro players, putting my body on the line and then trying to figure out the solution. You know what I mean? By having set those high levels of pressure for myself that two days later I needed to be on the court and nobody needs to, anyone sees that I'm not knees over toes guy. Cause I'm telling you the last hundred times, not one bad time. I mean, never a limp, never a unable to dunk. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, never anything like, Oh, he's on a, he's not having a good day. You know what I mean? So, Yep. That, pr that pressure forced me to grow. And I think we can all look at it as trainers and we go, fuck, man, no one's ever put a damn weight and tried to actually strengthen their ankle, like through a full range. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean like no one's ever tried, but you get my point. It's not something that's conventional wisdom to like actually like get strong ankles and tibialis, like strong, strong, like basketball players should be as focused on that as people are on their bench press, you know? Yeah. And and this is massive as well, Ben. Like so many people are being beaten into a box of like you have to be evidence based, you have to be yep. following the research, fall yep. in line with your nutrition, with the way you think, with the way you train. If you're not yep. doing those things, if you're not evidence based and following the gurus, then you're you're a bad person, you're doing a disservice, yep. you're a yep. quack, you're a crazy man. And I love that you're, and, and this is like our mentor, Charles Poliquin, who, you know, it's an honor to be mentioned in the same sentence. And I know that yep. I was just trying to, you know, I was using his name and stuff on YouTube in the early days. And that's probably, you know, why you, why you even saw, you know, my stuff at that time. But like he had the courage to say, well, I'm going to apply this method now because it works. And if 30 years later, the yep. research says that it works, like with tempo for adding size, like with cluster training for adding strength, like, yeah. And so many people dislike Charles because they say, oh, well, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's going way outside of his scope and he's doing all this stuff and he believes in controlling insulin and hormones and biosignature and all this stuff. And people are like just throwing stones at him constantly all through his career. Yep. But he was such a pioneer. He's the most influential guy in the history of strength training because he wasn't going to just sit and follow the party line, you know, and I love that you do that. It just, it just seems like you do not give a shit if people think that. <laughs> I needed you know, my ankle to be ready. 
You see yeah. what I mean? So it hadn't been tested. How do I know if that's going to be good or bad for my ligaments? Well, I knew because two days later, I felt like a million bucks. You see what I mean? And, and I didn't have time. I don't have time to wait for a study. And yes, at least a thousand times and definitely at least once a day, I do get something negative sent my way because of not using, you know, because of not being evidence-based. I don't have a college degree in exercise science. I simply have to get the result and I'll let the doctors and scientists figure it out after me. And maybe one day I'll have enough time because that's the other thing. People, whoa, why don't you do a study? For one, I don't know how to do a study. For two, I don't have the time because I'm busy helping people and that's my purpose. So I think, I think different people will do different jobs. And at this point in time, I just don't feel like my calling was to do the studies, but to be, keep digging, keep digging, keep digging. I think it's, it's part of your gift as well. Like the fact that you didn't do exercise science and you haven't been told like, this is how you do all the stuff. Like it's, it, it brings me to tears seeing everybody doing the same exercise. Like everyone's doing paloff presses and, I saw pallet presses 10 years ago, 15 years ago and tried them. And I thought, yeah, there's, there's maybe a bit of something here, but you know, this is, this is not really going to change anyone's career. And you just see these, these one or two exercises that everybody does for like six, 12 months. And then they disappear and a new thing comes in and they disappear and you, and the results, the, the results just aren't there. Like the guys who I see working like that in professional sports who aren't innovators, who, who toe the party line, like they're yeah. at the bottom of the table. Like they're just guys who consistently underachieve and, and, and should be, you know, should be moved on for someone who's going to, you know, really innovate. Yeah. Um, I feel really strongly here's a, here's about this. a true story. Yeah. Here's a true story. So NBA, obviously that's national basketball association association in America. That's really big. Right. And it was quite hard hitting and I won't give any specifics. So I don't get in any trouble and I don't get anyone in any trouble. But man, was it hard hitting to see that at the NBA level, a trainer can be actually like one of the worst trainers I've ever seen. And a player was sent to me because his shoulder was in such bad shape and they heard it on a bench press and they wouldn't adjust the weight. So it was just go down as far as you can with the weight. He couldn't handle the weight. Not it. You've seen basketball players. Some of these guys are skinny, but very talented, super long, you know, God, they have different gifts, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't mean they can bench the same weight. And he wasn't allowed to change the weight. Couldn't go down all the way. Wound up with a shoulder injury, which then he was told that it would have happened anyways, that it was something wrong with his mechanics, that it wasn't what he was doing. And then his rehab program only called for push-ups. Same thing done, only as far down as you can go. So the very thing that hurt him, now they're giving him more of. Now it's getting worse. I only worked with him for three days. I'm not some miracle worker. But it is a fact that he felt better already. He said it was way better than what he was doing with his team. His agents told me, oh, my God, he got better with you in a few days than he did, you know, in months with this team. And it was just – it was so – it just hurt to see that because you know what I live for. And, of course, I love all sports, but I have that reality with what it's like to be a a basketball player and to be skinny and to be told these different things in the weight room that hurt us and to see this guy – like that just hurts. You know what I mean? To know that he could have been okay. And maybe his whole career, you know, this was key time of the season. He was actually playing pretty well when it happened. All of a sudden was, you know, cut off the team. That's why I got a chance even to work with him because he was at this 
holy fuck, what do I do moment cut out of the NBA after he was doing well. And it's, it's just tough to see that when those are the guys quote unquote at the top, you know what I mean? But you would have, you could have been woken up in your sleep, beaten, thrown into an icy river and told you have five seconds to make this guy a program and you would have done better. It's, it is a sad state. And yeah, like those stories pop up way too much. And not to say I haven't made mistakes in programming and haven't missed things. Like I'll be honest, like I powered up those hips with, with my players in 2013. We weren't expected yep. to make the finals. We ended up winning the premiership that year. Wow. We, we have wow. broke the all time defensive record uh, for zero score lines of opposing teams. We won the regular season and the postseason. Like it was a good year, but at the same time, one of the players, cause I'm back consulting with that team, one of the players showed me his calf. I'm like, oh, you got a hole in your calf there. He's like, yeah, I, I had a really bad calf tear. Was it 2013, 2014, like when you were here? And I was like, yeah, I think I know why I did that to you now. Like, I, I think I know how I did that to you now. And I think I know what I would do differently. And I'm, I'm sorry that you're going to have that hole in your calf for the rest of your life. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I've got a few stories like that, you know, and it, it's obviously not the intention and, you know, it's not about, I guess, like going on a witch hunt for every strength coach that's made a mistake. But then on the other side of the equation, like, are we learning? Are we evolving? Are we acknowledging our mistakes? And are we looking outside the box for solutions? Like, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the reason I left pro sport to, to do Real Movement Project was because I feel as though there isn't a ton of awesome education out there for coaches. And I wanted to, you know, to help some of those guys. And um, yeah, you know, I've chosen a slightly different path to yourself, but it's such a like such a worthy thing um, to be a yeah, and, and, to be on. And I know from yeah, I know from talking, you know, to other guys behind your back because for everyone you may have worked with, but these guys then have followed my page and I've talked to them extensively. And for one thing, not one bad thing to say about you, and that's pretty remarkable. And There's a few out there. I can I can connect you I'm up sure. if you want to hear it. I have some too, <laughs> but the point is obviously these guys, you know, yeah. to be willing to reach out to me and knowing you, they could see similarities between us. And yeah, I mean, for example, like that team you mentioned, but at the end of the day, you made the right decision getting their hips strong because you were able to help them win faster with that. And now you've learned even more and now you could know how fast do we need to win versus how much do we have to build from the ground up to win the next year and the next year. So there's, because of you being out there and being willing to do what's right by who you work with, without ego, that's what's making you the best. And that's why I love, I mean, real movement project. I, I think you picked the perfect words for it because you don't have to dogmatize yourself in one regard, as you were saying, how there's this, you know, these certain exercises that come and go. It's like, it gets us even where you're living and everything. It gets us to think outside, you know what I mean? Our, our modern box of what education is supposed to mean real movement. Like that's just how I, when I walk into a gym now, when I think about training, I just don't really think about exercise names and titles anymore. You know what I mean? I just think about the freaking movement of the body and, it, and the, the movements and exercises we come up with should be based on that, not based on backing up to make sure that something we did two years ago that we don't look bad for it, you know? So 
I may have found my calling in putting my body on the line to figure things out, but you've also found your calling in educating other coaches. You're having ripples that you may not even realize just how far they go from Americans and Irish and Australians and French. It's insane how many guys from around the world have reached out to me about you with these positive things to say about how much you changed their life, you know? So it's, I'm just, uh, I'm just grateful to be on this and to support the real movement project is going to be definitely a big goal for, for ATG, my business, you know, is to, uh, to support real movement project and what you're doing. I, I appreciate that, Ben. And I, I'm not, it's one of my challenges. Like I don't generally think that anyone else is going to help me on anything and I don't like accept allies kind of thing. Like, yeah, if it's taken me months, I guess, to realize like this guy actually doesn't really want anything back. He just like <laughs> happy to, to chat and like, you know what I mean? Like it's, um, I guess it's kind of, yeah, it's something that men probably often have is like not, not being able to form teams and not being able to, you know, cooperate or like, we don't, I don't you know, we don't directly make any money for each other or whatever. So it's yep. like, like we're in competition and you're a dickhead because, you know, you know, like I have to fight against you. We should be technically in competition. Yeah. Well, we have different, we have different products, but uh, yeah. Exactly. But you get what I mean is we would be justified in being on social media, bashing each other like, (laughs) you know, yeah, Yeah. which one might do. Yeah. yeah, We we support you a ton. And it's when I see something again, I, I just operate on, you know, karma or, karma or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, different people have different ways of calling that, but I think we all, you know, have experienced that. And for me, it's like, if I see you and I see you helping me and others, cause as you know, from day one, when you even reached out to me, I was like, dude, this is surreal. Like you're one of the reasons I'm even a fucking trainer now. Right. So come on. Like if that happened, I, I like, I just wouldn't feel right. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night, you know, and it's just the way I'm wired. And I've also been fortunate enough to live that out. My mom is, uh, does real estate, her and her and my dad, they, you know, like they're good at picking properties. So when I wanted to move out of my garage and I was training people in my garage, they, uh, they were like, look, we'll find you like a building. So they, they looked and looked and it took a few months. We looked at different places and then we found a place that she was like, this is a steal. You just got to trust me. Right. So the building we're in now has tripled in value. So we're in downtown. I'm a trainer who doesn't know jack shit about the market or real estate at the time. Didn't know anything about business at all. And now I own this building. I don't own a dime on the building. I don't have any debts. And now the building is tripled. So not to try to get weird on people or, you know, try to draw any weird attention, but yeah, I own a million dollar building now. I'm very lucky. See what I mean? But, I, but it's because of, I feel like when I do things the right way, I end up very lucky. And when I don't, I end up very unlucky. So it's like, I guess at the end of the day, I'm still being selfish in a way. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm still in my own self-preservation. I'm trying to survive, but I just know that better things are going to come my way by doing the right thing because that's been my experience so far. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've been around with, with uh, you know, I stopped doing real movement for a couple of years because I couldn't really figure out 
how to do it properly and how to serve people better. And I, I had some failures. Like I tried to start a gym franchise a couple of years ago and just, I didn't put it together right. I didn't have the right team. I didn't quite have, you know, I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't get it right. I didn't have the finances right. And it hurt, you know, because I, I brought people in on that, that deal with me and, you know, we, yep. we didn't, we didn't nail it. And, you know, like I think those lessons and those, those stories of, you know, things going around, maybe we can touch a little bit on your, your team there. Cause we have spoken a little bit on like the male ego and the challenges of team. And yep. one of the biggest things about athletic truth group is, you know, Mr. Infinity and, and ball, yeah. or, you know, yeah. Jeff, you know, like the, I don't know whether what, what they want to be referred to as on this podcast, but yeah. Like you got a you got a cool team and like you guys vibe off each other, you know yeah. so well. Can, can you speak about how like how you've been able to do that? The challenge of coaches, definitely, yeah. And and to just like you were you know willing to make yourself vulnerable there and mention how you know you had this certain venture. I failed with my original staff. They're all gone. My entire original staff of ATG is all gone. And rather than sit here and tell you what they could have done different. Um, knowing what I know now, I know that as a business owner, as a leader, had I started over with them, we would all be doing exceedingly well together. So now that I got a chance to start over, I learned from that and now we have this phenomenal team. And so of course I think everything works out for a reason. And even one of my former guys now has a gym that's doing super well. And just today was the first day that me and my former employee that we should be hating each other. Guess what I did? We actually worked together with the team. So this was like, even people in the community are like, you worked with hit what, you know, like people are freaking out, but now it's, it's spread such positive messages to show how we can work together. So now with my new team, and that's why I do think I was blessed because while we've been talking now and people have, you know, maybe heard my story about, about my knees. And it's true. I was strictly tested at 19 inch vertical, you know, at, at 17 before knee surgery. And that was lifetime best 19 inch. I was always somehow that number just stuck. I remember being 11, 12. That's, I could never that's so bad for people who don't know inches. So, and stuff. <laughs> there, there's a reason I was just made fun of throughout high school of how unathletic I was. And then now I'm strictly tested at 41 inches and that's really cool. But it's also equally amazing, Mr. Infinity on, on Instagram. This guy's 41 years old. And when you watch him play basketball, you think he's 21. I mean, it's truly amazing. So he has come in. He has with, the body of a 21-year-old too. It's insane, yeah. But everything to him is, how is this exercise? Well, what's that going to do for me 10 years from now? I need to be dunking when I'm 50. Longevity. So he, exactly. So the funny thing is he actually improved my methods so much because it made me look at, well, shit, this may make me jump higher next week, but is it going to make me jump higher 10 years from now? So that's become a key part of my system. Same thing. I, I wouldn't be able to go to bed at night knowing that if what I'm putting out might work now, but you might be fucked 10 years from now. So it's, it was like such a blessing because again, being 27, I don't know what it's like to be in my forties and he puts his body on the line on the court with us at 41. Like that's a lot of pressure at 41 to go out and compete because we're not just talking about high school kids. We have real pros guys who are highly paid to play the game of basketball and being 41 and playing at that level. is not a joke. And then 
the the third guy with us really is a a total beast, and he really is more more flexible than me. And I'm known for my flexibility. And I truly didn't know a guy could be like that and be that flexible. And so it brought in that third thing of, okay, is this going to make me more athletic now? Is it going to make me more athletic in the long run? But is it also going to improve tissue quality, mobility? So it's like the three of us are so different. And it made me realize that the three of us are so much more powerful than we are independently. And so that was just a learning lesson. And I feel bad for my original staff. I wish I could have done it over with them, but it wouldn't have led me now because they, they didn't have these unique backgrounds. They were young dudes who were fit, who wanted to be athletes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Derek and Jeff, my new staff now are so unique and brought things to the table that made me look at the picture differently. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, you guys, you guys definitely have something special and it's cool that you're, also, now, you know, you're humble enough to be learning from those guys and um, you can see that you guys are constantly evolving and I think you need that community of other people to, to bounce things off and to tell you, like, this isn't good enough and what about if we try it this way and, like, that yep. masterminding concept of, you know, Earl Nightingale and uh, Think and Grow Rich and all that stuff. Like, it's, it's actually pretty real that if you can put the right team around you. I just, yeah. I, I just want to mention again that... Uh, I feel as though the, the chord is like maybe touching your keyboard. I think it's like, yeah, what's it's, it's like, it's, it's when it swings pendulum on the bottom, the black part ah, Okay. Some, that I think that's touching something. Everything else is, I think sweet. Like, yeah. I'm going to try to hold it like this. <laughs> yeah. I think you can have it lower cause I know it's unplugging your earphones and I can just see you battling with the, the, the I'm, I'm, I'm good. If, it stay, if I can just hold it still, let's see. I'm pretty sure it's touch, yeah, it was like maybe touching the keyboard. Are you on your computer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just that it, touching the keyboard. It's not up higher. There. So I'm sorry I to uh, interrupt the podcast with technical difficulties. Obviously, we're strength coaches and we're, yep. uh, we're interested in athletic performance more than uh, technology and such. I'm pretty new to the podcast game as well. And, um, and I'm super new to it. So it's... <laughs> It's totally my fault. Definitely not Keegan's fault. Uh, it's yeah. It, it's not. Uh, if people like, obviously, the other thing is people are not paying for this. If you have to put up with a slight deviation in sound quality to get through this thing, like I still think it's a good sacrifice on the part of the listener. But you make that call if you want to tune out because there's a little crackle. Yeah. Then that's uh, that's your call too, and everyone makes that those decisions for themselves. Um, in life, what does it feel like to dunk? As a guy, a kid that had a 19-inch vert that played basketball, it, like, what does that feel like now? It, it honestly, it, it hasn't gotten old yet. So it's really weird because, like, I look at videos and stuff. And, I mean, I dunk the way I do my practices. It's only realistic for me running my business, my wife, everything. It's only realistic for me to get to a basketball court twice a week. We have a beautiful basketball court and I have tons of great players. And we organize it. And, you might think I practice all the time, but I only go to the court twice a week, but I want to play my best and I'm obsessive about the game of basketball. So I actually start with a full skill session that I put myself through and a very small mentorship group I have of like really deserving kids who are going to be phenomenal players. And so we do this whole skill workout, then we play, then I do my whole dunk practice. So if you're seeing any dunks, this is after when a normal player is on the sideline and they're literally going, how the fuck is knees over toes guy jumping right now after all that? 
I only get two times on the week, so I have to squeeze really six sessions, two training sessions, two games, and two jump sessions into only two sessions total, which it would be probably smarter to, to balance them out. Are you the doing shooting is, outside of that? Shooting yeah, exactly. No, no, nothing. I don't touch a basketball more than twice a week. Wow. That's all. Yeah, like I really compartmentalize things, and I just don't have time for more than that. So I, I'm on the court for a few hours twice a week. And the point is that since I'm not on a court every day, just those two days a week, so I'm often looking at the footage or making posts or whatever, and it still doesn't get old that I look at the dunks and I just – it's like, how is that possible? How is that possible? Because I've only been doing it for – I mean, just about, you know, three years ago I could dunk. And then in basketball there's so many different ways to dunk. And – there's, so, there's a big difference between, like, I dunked one time a month ago and I can't anymore. You know, like, first then when it starts to get consistent. And yeah. so it's been, a, it's been a consistent ride up for me. And now to even when I'm playing in games, I dunk, like, all the time now. And it's just <laughs> as I'm hanging on the rim <laughs> in games, having just dunked, my mom and my dad watching because they, they just love to come watch. It, it's so surreal, even in that moment. It just doesn't feel normal. So it's like I get to live out my childhood dreams twice a week. No joke. I mean, I live all – the night before, I'm so excited. I'm, the morning, like, I just get to live out my dreams knowing when I go to that court, I'm going to be able to dunk. So in, in some ways, I guess you could say I'm an easy, an easy guy to please. Um, but it truly has not gotten old because – I started, I was in my first basketball league when I was five, started having knee pain at 12, you know, quit by 17, 21 to 23 was in college. So like, I'm just, I live in a world where I can't dunk and now I can. So it's, that's probably my favorite moment is in, in live games with professionals when I'm hanging on the rim, uh, you know, after having dunked that moment right there is like, like I'm hungry for that, for that moment, you know? Uh, what do we got? It's Monday. So Wednesday night, I get to live that moment again, but it, yeah, it, it is, it's a different world for me. Um, being able to dunk now and, and for different people that might not mean much, you know, but there's probably some area of life like that for all of us. That's surreal. I feel like it's such a like trademark benchmark, like just something that people get, you know, like a lot of people don't get athleticism, like a double body weight back squat or whatever. It all kind of looks the same, but if you can dunk and you're not that tall or if you can, you know, two hand or you can, you know, like some of the dunks that you're pulling off right now. And I I love that dunk balance system. We're probably not going to have time to unpack the full dunk balance system, but if you have like go through all Ben's posts, he's going to unpack his understanding of like how dunks and inside the program, there's a whole big, guide to dunking and how you should be able to do it in all these different ways to prevent injury and to be a better athlete. Um, what was the question there? I asked you a question there. Well, I mean, you originally asked me about, you know, what it felt like to dunk and you were saying how it's like a universal thing and you're yeah, right. So I'm, so, I'm so lucky for the dunking aspect that it, that I'm in that sport because it is a more universal thing and it allows me, that's my studies. That's my proof. You know, I may not have time to, to do a study, but I can show it on a, on a rim because it's universally 10 foot in any country you go, you know, unless it's a, a you know, a, a, a sketchy court, but you get my point. It's, it gives us a universal benchmark. And sometimes I'll even have an athlete who's uh, maybe some kind of martial artist. I'm like, 
well, what's your benchmark? Like, how do we know if this is working? You know, how do you know? And, and so I'm very fortunate that I'm in a sport that has that 10 foot rim. Yeah. Yeah. It's like counter movement jump or the jumping is just such a, like a measurable part of the sport that you, everyone kind of knows where they stand with it. Like, can you touch the ring? Can you hit your wrist on the ring? Can you hit your head on the ring? You know, like you're just going up and up and up. How achievable is a dunk? I've shared it with you. You've been vulnerable and shared that you're, uh, you're still planning on going to the NBA. My yeah. thing back to you was I, I, I want to dunk one day and I'm, I'm 5'11". Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm a little bit shorter than you and I'm 37, I'm 36, you know, coming on 37. Like, do you think it's From ever seeing, possible? Or am I completely deluded? From seeing your weight room numbers, I know for a fact that if we trained together for a bit that you would be dunking. So if I follow your program, basically, is what you're saying. No, no, no. You wouldn't even have to follow my program. Meaning, there is something about, uh, you know, the actual skill of jumping. Gotcha. So, I just know that maybe you'd be able to dunk alone just from training. But it's kind of like, um, if I could be out there with you and be practicing your jumps. You know what I mean? Like, then I know for a fact that you would be dunking because I know, I know your different weight room numbers and I know you'd be, you'd be dunking if you got to practice it with me on the court. My goal has been to get, you know, get my Achilles healthy. I've been following your program religiously around that. Some of the other stuff, like I, I, I've done it. I'm doing it all. I do it all, but I continue to experiment and I'm playing around with things. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not the ideal online client. Um, no, <laughs> in as, that way. You should, as you should. And before I forget, use, if you're not in basketball, one of the most important things I found is don't use a basketball. When you try to practice dunking, use an object, you can fall very easily. Tennis ball, gradually go up from there, but like use something you can grab in your hand so you can really freely jump. Even if I'm training, I've trained football players and I'll have them even do dunk workouts sometimes, but not with the basketball because when they're running and jumping, they are jumping with a free arm. Like I want, I want guys to be able to naturally jump. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good tip and a good tip for anyone who's listening, who's, who's close. That slows you down. Yeah. 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 Tell me about that dunk. Tell me about that standing that one from the deep squat straight up and dunking like did that blow your own mind or what i definitely know i did not used to be able to do that even fairly recently you know like and it just occurred to me before the weekend and i'll i put my notes run my life i have notes that tell me what to do each day any ideas i have because otherwise it's just too much as you know you know i do spread myself thin in a good way i want to help as much as i can and so this this idea occurred to me if i could dunk from a full knee bend and I'm going to keep honing that and, and really perfect that. But if I could have dunked from a full knee bend, I feel like that would be the ultimate sign of dunking because then in any situation in a game, I could dunk, you know, even if I only had a step or no step or, and, and also as a sign of knee ability and knee health, you know, if I yeah. could go from a full knee bend and dunk. So I put in my notes, we we're done playing again. I'm on the court for hours. So maybe I could even do it better, but had a camera guy there. So I just tried it. It was my first, I've only tried it one time and uh, managed, managed to pull it off. But I was like, that's a cool one because that's something that you wouldn't even have to be a basketball player. Hold a ball in your hands, go into a deep squat, and can you explode up from that and dunk? So that's what I liked about it is that it was, uh, you know, it's very universal. You don't have to be a 
a basketball player, the dribble approach and palming the ball, all that stuff gets in the way, but anyone can hold the ball in two hands, do a squat like a baby, just like we've been, (laughs) just like we should be able to do. That's a, that, that's, that's like a real movement project dunk right there. (laughs) Yeah. Deep squat, explode up and dunk. Yeah. I'd love that. Uh, what does it feel like, you know, with so many people who doubted you, you've, you've, you know, you've talked about some of the taunting and, and things that, you know, people, maybe they didn't mean in a bad way, but you had a lot of yeah. crappy nicknames and people, yeah. you know, thought about you know, like how going from that position and you're talking about having no friends as a, as a kid, like I can't really even yeah. imagine that, but like yeah. now to be in demand and be, you know, dealing with NBA, NFL players, being flown around to consult with people. You know, you've consulted yep. with me with, you know, the, the highest, you know, quality athlete that I work with, who's, you know, an international household name. Like yep. you're massively in demand. Do you, like, are, do you have some resentment and stuff for that? No. Uh, what you had before? How do you feel about like what you Zero. went through there as a child and as, an, as a teen, you know? Only use it as motivation. So I still remember from seven, you know, I've mentioned a number of times in this podcast from 17 to 20, I didn't play basketball. I was painting walls seven days a week. I was trying to save up money to go to a place where you can play on a basketball team and basically have like a second chance at getting scouted to college, which is a totally nutty idea to save a bunch of money for that. And I get there on day one and their recruiting expert tells me I cannot get a scholarship. It's like, like I'm paying them, I'm giving them my money for a shot at it. And even they are like, yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't try this. Right. Yeah. And so I'm driving, I'm driving home. Cause it was about That's an brutal. hour drive. Yeah, it's an so hour brutal. drive. It was an hour drive each way just for the opportunity. I'm talking to my dad and he goes, well, how did that make you feel? And I was like, I feel good. It's more like it. The word was fire. Like it gave me motivation. And so, uh, I just used that as motivation. I never forgot that this guy told me that I couldn't get a scholarship. And then even once I got the scholarship, he told me I'd never play at that school. And I started every game. (laughs) He He told me point blank. I was too slow. Even once I got the full scholarship, he told me you shouldn't go to that school. He's like, I know that coach. He's going to bring in guys who are just too much faster than you and blah, blah, blah. And, and I should go to it. I should pick a smaller school. Uh, anyways. <laughs> but does he, does he know what you're doing now? Does he know like. The, the funny thing is now this same guy hits me up to like talk about recruiting my players. Now my players are like in hot demand, but it's funny because I've been on the other end of that poll and I don't know if he just, it's so funny to me because I just don't know if he doesn't remember that that I was the same guy he was telling everything I couldn't do. You know, it, it still blows my mind. Um, to, but, you know, to him, I was probably just a number on a list, you know, and, oh, white guy, can't dunk, you know what I mean? Don't, you know what I mean? And so he probably doesn't even remember uh, how much that meant to me. But when I tell you I truly don't have resentment, I just don't. Something happened to me seeing our mentor, Charles Poliquin, and, I don't know if you experienced it, but I definitely experienced what you talk about that resentment. I feel like he did have that resentment and I feel like he wasn't as happy as he deserved to be. I feel like this guy, I mean, I went to a seminar and told him like, dude, like you saved my basketball career, you know, 
And I feel like someone like him who saved people's careers, even if there are naysayers, he deserves to be happy. And I didn't see that in him. And so that was a huge moment for me. And I promise you something about that from the moment I realized, you know, that he wasn't happy, even though he had done so much to help, it just all washed away from me. I did used to harbor resentment. I really did. And sometime in the last year or so, actually, you know, it, it was around the time of his passing when he passed away. It just made me realize that, uh, you know, a switch went off. No, no resentment. You know what I mean? And just keep living to help others, you know? And so, and, and I use, I've managed to turn that. I wake up every morning and it's going to be, all right, where's the success story? That's what fuels me, you know? And I just don't let, I don't let the resentment in. So seeing from him, that guy really deserved to be so happy and I didn't feel like he was. And so there he passed life's too short to let a naysayer hold me back when there's people out there I'm helping. I'm so I'm going to keep living and I'm going to live and breathe for those that want my help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's such a, such a powerful message and yeah, his, his passing was a big part of why I started real movement again as well. Like, I yeah. felt like what are like what are people going to do now? <laughs> like, yeah. like there's just not that much good stuff out there. And that was before I'd come across your work, and I was just yeah. sort of thinking, like, man, like this guy worked so hard and he helped so many people, but somehow it just didn't come together to really like solidify his legacy. I, I know yeah. people are still learning from him, and and, he, and and some people are recognizing his influence more. But I feel as though some of those things, yeah, that you're saying, like, and the, yeah, some of the energy that he had and the challenges that, that, that were obviously there in, in his life, like, that was a big part of me going, like, yeah, I want to do this thing again. And yeah, I want to, I want to have some fun doing it. I want to be, you know, like, yeah. I want it to be enjoyable where I think the first time around, I did have like so much anger and, and challenge with, you know, people who are ripping my stuff off and people who weren't, yep. you know, weren't respecting things. And when they were, you know, doing things wrong, I was worried about how it's going to reflect on me and that sort of thing. And coming back at it again, like I'm, I'm enjoying it so much more. And I'm, I think I do have more of that fire um, because of that. And, and, you know, um, because, because of my, my body's working better again as well. Like that's obviously something that's, that's huge as well. But can you, like, yep. I wanted to, some of my, I want to also speak about Charles in, in more depth. Like yep. how, how much has he impacted you? Yeah. I mean, I think you said it best when you said that he wasn't going to wait, you know, for methods to be tested to, or whatever, however you want to phrase that, you know, he, wa he wasn't going to wait for the scientific backing if he thought that's what was going to help his athlete. Yep. And ultimately it was the concept of knees over toes. I heard he wrote about it you actually showed it with your own body and that gave me a visual of what it should look like. And I emulated that. And that is what got me back on the court. And now as we went over, you know, I, I realized from there I had to build from the ground up and, and all this stuff, but it was, you can see that I was just put, I was just put right to work in my zone, you know, by you and by Charles Poliquin. And, and you can see that it, I never let the lack of, scientific evidence slow me down because of what I, you know, that you can see it's just such a clear path from there. It was like, Holy shit, something that doesn't have the scientific evidence yet is, you know, and, and his success 
that spoke volumes to me, you know, and I just took that page out of his playbook and, and applied it to my own sphere as, as hard as I could without ever worrying, you know, that, uh, that I should slow down and wait for things to be scientifically evidence backed before doing them. So that's what it meant for me. He has, he has a massive presence, right? Like when you go oh, to one of his events, oh, like, yeah. how did you feel to begin with? Like you're a guy with questions and you know, I, well, it's right off the bat, you feel like you're in, in like grade school, you know what I mean? And the principal walks into the room and, but it was really amazing. He, he really took the time to answer any question I could have. And it showed me, I, I could tell what a, what a caring person he was. I could just tell that he was walking around with a heavy, heavy backpack of resentment, probably for good reason, probably from every smoothie shop he walked into, someone asking him what's a good arm routine, you know, <laughs> not to mention how many times he must, I mean, if I've already been told at least a thousand times, why do you do knees over toes, blah, blah, blah. I can't even imagine for him. And he didn't have a social media platform. He couldn't go take, he couldn't go let that resentment out by throwing down a two handed slam. And that is what, you know, you see on my social media, I never argue. I you'll never see me on social media arguing back. You'll never see me commenting an argument ever, ever, ever. Someone might on my behalf, and even those I usually delete and message both parties to let them know, you know, to get them in, in touch and not fighting with each other. So I, I learned from Paul Quinn what to do, and I also learned how to not carry the baggage. Yeah. yeah there's, there was definitely that, that side to him where I remember when I went to the biosignature course in Southampton, one of the first things that he said was, if you ask a question that's already been asked, I'm going to ask for your address and FedEx you uh, a bunch of bananas because, because, you're, because you're a chimp, because like, you're a monkey. And that was like the way he delivered it. It was it's just like there was a room of like 150 people. And I was like. <laughs> he gave me a nice little knock on the chin. I mean, it didn't leave any permanent damage, but it, he got some contact there because I kept looking down on my squats <laughs> and he wanted me <laughs> to look up. And uh, I, I was not his favorite at, at the start just because of I happened to catch him wrong on the first day looking down on my squats. You know, being the guy with weak knees, I'm so used to looking down on my squats. Like, are my knees going to be able to handle this, right? And so he got me out of that habit. And, and by the end, I, I have no doubt, not in an egotistical way, but I have no doubt that uh, he had totally changed his, his tune on me by the end. But, yeah, he, he had that kind of intensity. Did you, did you have some individual conversation stuff going on with him or did you get some extra consulting or how did you yeah, get that was, depth of kind of connection with him? Yeah. So Paul, when I was in, you know, I was, I used his data and your data and I quickly got back on the court in college. There was no time to be going to seminars. I read and read and watched any videos. And fortunately you had a lot of videos out and just soaked in everything I could. But as soon as I was out of college, I went to what I could go to from him. But at that time he was actually no longer with Paul Quinn group and was now doing his strength sensei, but this was at the start of strength sensei. So, I mean, I didn't receive any literature or any pamphlets. It was just showing up to a gym with 11 other dudes and Paul Quinn, And he just put us through some workouts for a couple of days. There was no kind of structure. 
there was no education, but that was the, I got the best thing I could have wished for. Cause it was basically, he destroyed us with workouts and then let us ask any questions we want. That was it. I got that for, he didn't even show up on the third day, but no one cared. <laughs> we were so sore. We didn't care. <laughs> he didn't show up on the third day. No, no, he didn't show up on the third day. Um, Who showed up? Did he have an assistant or something? Yeah, his assistant showed up on the third day. Was that Carlos? Or? Yeah, yeah. So I, I walked home. I didn't. I had no. I had no. And he wouldn't let us take notes either. So yeah. So I walked away with absolutely nothing concrete. But every question I had ever had was answered, and the answers to those questions put me onto the path since then. And that really wasn't that long ago, you know. Um, cause you know, I've only been a, a, a trainer for four years and that was after the, I was waiting for him to do a seminar as soon as I got out of college. So that was like three years ago. So three years ago, I got the answers to the clues. I never had another question for him again. I got the questions I needed answered and I've gone back to my little rabbit hole and I've just been, uh, you know, I've just been grinding on these answers ever since grinding on the solutions, you know, the real world application of the, the clues that he gave me. Come to think of it, there was one session that uh, I went to the Cloak of Poliquin event. It was about $3,000, I think, US for, for three days. And yeah, yeah. one of the sessions, he, uh, he was busy or whatever. So, um, <laughs> but it was fine. And I guess you can't, I mean, not, I don't know if it's fine. Like, I don't want to be that guy. There's so much about Charles that I do want to be, um, that, I, that I admire and that I, you know, but then I also feel like there is no real good full service education out there for coaches of someone who cares and someone's invested in you. And that's kind of what we, what we did. And that's what I want to do. Um, yep. So there's it, elements it, of it that service. It needs to be filled and, and you're the guy to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate 100%. that. And I like your service is so full service for such a cheap price that, that was like, that just blew me away because I did have some of that polyquin and I, I did a, an internship with Ido Portal and things are quite transactional with some of these guys. And, you know, I put invested quite big money and even like I did the thing with Bob Proctor and they said they were going to follow up and they didn't. And it was, you know, $65,000 US and, wow. and there was no follow up. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like we can probably do better than this. And, and you know, I had a multi-level marketing business, um, which is kind of how I had some contact with, with Jeff. And within that, the people who do well, like the customer service and the connection, the community and stuff is just like so next level. And, I, and I've got some really good role models and friends within that. And I was like, oh yeah, there's this, imagine if this was applied to that without all the ego and without all the stuff, but the methods are there. Like I've got this vision yeah. for like what, what could be done, but then seeing you it. do it with online training and it's just like your level of service and, and attention to detail. I'm like, this guy just gets back to me on everything. He, like he, he films me individual videos. He's sending me emails every day. Like this is out of this world. And your, you know, your price point was like 10% of what I'd been charging, you know, working with, with personal trainers and stuff. And I know that I was, I feel as though I was worth it. And we've had discussions about, you know, self-worth yeah. and money and that kind of stuff. And, but, like, um, there's, there's just, uh, there's so much within, within that journey of like, oh, okay, how do, how do we really want to do this? You've just gone into a new phase with your online coaching and we almost went into a phase where you're going to tour Australia and we, we had the date set yeah. up, we had everything and you, you decided, no, like, I just want to double down on what I'm really good at yeah. and I just want to work yeah. towards the thing that, that I believe in most that I'm, it's working best for me. 
Like, where is where is ATG? Where is knees over toes going? Yeah. From from what you know, from what you can see. Yeah, I mean, from when I started doing the online coaching a year ago, from day one, um, like everything I do, I wanted to do it what we call exchange in abundance. It's just what I believe in that things will work out better for you if you don't just deliver, you know, the bare minimum of what's fair. There's fair exchange, but deliver in abundance. And for me, I was told to just, I couldn't do this for less than $99 a month. But I knew that when I was having my worst knee problems, when I was mowing lawns and washing cars in high school, I wouldn't have paid $99 a month. And so I stabbed it in half, $49.50 against everyone's advice. And as you know, from more private conversations, it's actually working out really well for me for only being in it a year. And I feel like I found my shit, you know? I feel like that's my shit is for $49.50 actually delivering. And that's why I did have a whole tour planned and, and big dreams and stuff. But I'm going to leave the coaching to you and I'm going to stick with my, you know what I mean? The, the guys who need me that they don't have another option. You know what I mean? Um, and I think you can just create that network of educating coaches and making a huge impact that way, you know? But I feel like if I stay in my lane, working on it seven days a week, every, you know, week in, week out, I can just make it so much better of a product. And honestly, that's just going to make me happy at the end of the day. I don't have any vision boards of yachts and things like that. You, you would laugh at some of the stuff with me and my wife. I mean, right now my, my big thing is um, in about a month, I'm going to get a scooter, like one of those like Vespas. I don't know if that's a brand name that's right. I, don't, I know it, yeah. Okay, so I can get one of those for like $1,000 and save money on gas. And I happen to live in an area I'm very fortunate where I get to drive. Me and my wife have a little house, but – I get to drive right along the coast, right along the water into ATG. Only two stoplights between my house and ATG along the water. So I'm like, man, what better way to soak that up than on a Vespa? So like instead of, I'm still driving the same car from when I was 16. I haven't got a new car and I have no need. I have no urge to get a new car or, you know what I mean, or any kind of upgrade. So I'm wired that way. It's what makes me happy. And I do want the business to do well so that the rest of my staff can all grow and have good lives. But if me and my wife are making enough to lead the lives we want to live, and I'm very fortunate that she's similar to me on that, you know, we pick our things, but she just doesn't, I mean, she tells me every day, I got her a nice ring and I gave her a dream wedding in Australia where she was born in Sydney and it all went magically. And she said, those were her big purchases. She never needs a big purchase for me again. So, <laughs> Um, you know, so that's where I'm at. So I'm just locked in on, you know, my game with the online coaching and, and seeing what you're doing, I get to flow power to you and, and you can take on that bigger role. You know what I mean? And I can, I can do my part to flow power to you, but I know I'm going to be happy staying in my little zone and we have a three year plan. So the, so I guess it'd be your springtime of 2022 we're planning to actually move to australia i mean with our dog and everything <laughs> i think you're still going to be in the nba at that time if i'm honest my plan is just to play one year but we'll see <laughs> okay okay yeah it's a big sacrifice to be an nba player as well right like with the schedule and everything and when you're me yeah when you're yeah. me and you like i'm just such a 
you know, I, I live two stoplights from my gym and I, I get to wake up every morning with my wife. I don't want to do the NBA. I don't want to be traveling around flying everywhere. You know, it's not the life I want. So she knows my, my crazy dream is to go play in the NBA one year. And I do have a realistic strategy, which is to become the most coveted basketball trainer so that a team, I need multiple teams all fighting, trying to get me to be their trainer. And one of them is going to get me to be their trainer for a year, but they have to give me a roster spot. They get 15, only, <laughs> six, only eight guys are getting in that game. You know what I mean? You got 15, give me one of them. I'll be the trainer for free. Don't have to pay me. I get a roster spot. At that point, it's on me. Leave it up to me to earn my minutes. So that's my, that's my, uh, my crazy plan. But yeah, we, in our time in Australia, uh, we just loved it. And I love the idea, you know, of, of growing the best online I can because it'll allow me that freedom to live life to the fullest. And I do know I'll have regrets if I just stay here my entire life. Where in Australia are you going to live? Oh, that's a tough question. We're going to have to be neighbors, bro. I don't care where you move in Australia. I'm coming Wait. to live next door. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, our plans to kind of roam around. And that's a nice thing, you know, if I can have a good online business going in these days, it's, things are more progressive. You can find longer term Airbnb rentals and things like that. And that's our plan is just to be able to just live life to the fullest. Because if I, if I become the best online trainer that I can be, it won't hurt my product for me to be able to live in other places, you know? So we, we went up and down the, the East coast of Australia. And so we definitely love you know, we love that. And she was born in Sydney. So yeah, we'll, we'll see where it takes us. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like that, that idea. We've spoken about it quite a few times, you know, as a family, like kind of being on the road and visiting, you know, a lot of the gyms yeah. that we've worked with and the members of those gyms. Um, I guess with like the two young kids, we kind of wanted to settle for a little bit, but yeah, I'm definitely planning a lot more travel again. You know, mine is, um, you know, two and a half now. So it's not like tiny baby phase. Like he's kind of a little, right. little toddler and that sort of thing. So we're pretty, yeah, we're definitely excited to get, get on the road a bit again. And, um, nice. I'm definitely planning on coming over there. I think what we're going to do That's after exactly. this podcast is there's going to be a couple other guys, you know, probably want to come over with me nice. and we'll plan a little pilgrimage. Um, we'll rent out, we'll rent out like a sweet house for you guys. So you guys can, <laughs> grow out in the house and we'll have an epic time. Yeah. I'm definitely, you know, I've said it to you a number of times now and now I'm saying it live on the podcast. I, I definitely want to get over there and I'm so grateful for the influence that you've, you know, had on, on my, on me personally, as well as on my, you know, athletic journey. Um, I value both of them highly, but obviously, you know, yep. the, the difference of just the integrity of what you've done and just, being part of that journey is I think you've 10 X your business since, uh, yeah. since maybe we was, were first chatting or something like it's that. True. Like it's, it's uh, yeah. And I'm, and I'm really keen to see it 10 X again. And if you still want to drive the same car and stuff, like I'm that, that kind of guy too. Like people laugh about how bad my shoes are and how worn out they are. And I just literally, <laughs> I just do not care. You know, like I, I, I played with a whole, a hole in my basketball shoes the last six weeks. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah. You can see my toes wiggling. At the same time though, I, I can see you moving into massive abundance and I'm excited for what you're going to do with that. Like, I think if, 
if we can do what we what we're planning to do, and I think this podcast is going to be kind of a cool landmark thing for people to look back at five years from now and go, Definitely. "Oh man, these guys were both just kind of starting out at that time." And yeah, they can you know, see our dreams right now. And that's that 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 would be that would be something great to I think to reflect on. But what I'm excited about with financial abundance is like the freedom that that gives to actually go and you know execute on some cool projects. You know, I, I set up a gym in Samoa, yeah. um, wow. which is you know, but I I haven't done it properly. I didn't have the manpower and whatever. I don't even know what's going on with that gear. But I you know I bought gear and I sent it over there um, to a to a remote community on the other side of the island and. Like I want to change, I want to make impact on the world in different places, and I, you know, I know that I need to have financial abundance to yeah. to help the world go in the in the direction that it wants to go. And I think that with the the goals that we have, you know, in terms of product delivery, like that's that side is going to open up. And I, you know, I, I, Charles spoke about it a lot with you know his journey of like sponsoring athletes and and the Tigers and you know all those sorts of things like. Yep. That, that side of things excites me so much to think of like, if, if we can just do the thing that we know we can do, like where, where is this going to, you know, where is this going to go? What impact can we really have on the world? And I um, agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And, and driving the same car since high school doesn't mean you can't make a lot of money. You know what I mean? It's just where your priorities are at. And as you said, financial abundance, I know a lot of people look to podcasts, you know, for different inspirations for them. And that's a great point is I think you should pursue financial abundance. And if you're even at the point where you're listening to this podcast, you're probably the kind of person that if you achieve financial abundance, the world's going to be a better place as a result of it. There's plenty of, there's enough people out there with financial abundance that the world is not a better place because of. So in a way we almost have a duty to achieve that. And my parents are not like, they're not like big time rich people, but I've never seen them have a money problem ever. And it's very interesting how the universe works because they're the most generous people I know. And it's interesting how by being willing to give back to the universe, they are always on the fortunate end financially. And so that's kind of what I'm shooting for. So I immediately hit a nice milestone business wise this past week. So what did I do? I became a volunteer. So I've been being paid by the local school I grew up with no good sports program right here by ATG. It was, you could be talented, but you weren't going to get recruited. And now they have that. And I've played a huge part in helping them develop that. Now I've been paid, nothing crazy, but now I'm a volunteer. So now I do it fully for free for the school. And someone else might reach a nice point and say, oh, good. Well, I'm going to charge them more now after what I've done. But I learned that from my parents. And so now I've used maybe it's only a small, you know, maybe it's not a full on abundance right now, but basically I've used the stepping stone to now try to give back my, you know, energy to them, uh, because I can afford to do so. And I'm sure it'll come back and, and pay off in good ways. I've got no doubt about that. And yeah, like I love, I love that about you, Ben, like it's really, really clear that you're in this for, for a lot of good reasons. And I did want to ask you a bunch of questions about working with those high school kids and getting yeah. guys into college football and working with football players. We're going to have to leave it to, to part two. I want to be respectful of your time. There's so much stuff um, going on here and maybe we can, uh, maybe we can um, make a little bit of a plan around the audio. I do apologize for, uh, and you know, some of the, the, the challenge there with that, but it's definitely not 
something that we, you know, we plan to have, or, you know, we're trying to provide the best service that we, that we can here and sure. give, give you some quality and inspiration. Um, if you did enjoy this podcast and you want to hear a part two, then just send Ben a message, uh, yeah, let us know. repost something, you know, show some, show some gratitude, send some questions and, and we'll go again with this thing. And, you know, Ben is, is so generous with, uh, with his knowledge and with his, his skill set there that um, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm really excited to, to do this again. I've got so many other things that I wanted to ask you to hear your, your take yeah. on it. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot more to, to dive into there. So, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for, for everything that you've done for me already, including this podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to looking back on this and thinking of all the cool, cool stuff that we've done. Well, Keegan, thank you. You know, words can't express my thanks because I would not be even sitting here owning a gym right now if it weren't for you. So I'm excited for the next time. I know we'll both be grinding until then to have some, some fiery new content. And I'll definitely do a test run with headphones. My wife is amazing and she left, she knew I would forget headphones. And so she actually had a, a pair of brand new headphones sitting in my desk drawer. But uh, I'll have to figure out my setup better. So I take full responsibility for the audio. I'll test run it, and I'll promise to come back with, with and make it worth your while on, on round two. This is the lesson, you know, life. Bigger, bigger and better. Just keep learning from the mistakes. Roll with the punches. We could have uh, pulled the pin on this, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be so much value just out of this thing you know, by – the fact that we, you know, we got through it and we'll learn from it and we'll do it better again. Same as what we're trying to do with the training. Like we're going to do that stuff with, exactly. with, with the business and everything else as well. So if you're not taking action, someone who's listening to this, you're not taking action because you're worried you're not going to do it perfectly because you're worried, you know, you're not pretty enough or whatever enough. Just take the lesson from this podcast of despite the inadequacies, the, 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 the challenges within it, yep. it's still worth doing. And if you listen to the podcast to this point, you get that you're bought into that. So embody that as well. And, you know, join us on, on doing the best we can. I think if the more people who are living in this way, just pursuing their passion, going after things with less fear, pulling back the layers of, of bullshit, going through failures, like it's, yep. it's a good life. It's a better life than the alternative. I've lived the alternative of being, you know, hiding from things, living in fear, um, you know, bad habits of, you know, alcoholism and, crap you know like that that path you know ben hasn't been down that path but you know that 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 other side is 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 possible as well but you know buy into this uh buy into this way of living and i i guarantee you won't you know you won't uh you won't look back you won't regret it so i agree 100 percent. champion all right well thank you so much talk to you soon all right keegan all right keegan we'll be in touch thank you